Hey guys, welcome to Bookify. I am Jen. And I'm Sarah. And this will be our very first full-length episode, so sit back and grab a snack. Yeah. How are you, Jen? I'm great. How about you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. My cat has stopped being a spaz. He is now sitting on my feet. So that's perfect. Yes. He's a, a... Precious, precious little thing, but also a spaz and, you know, not a lot of in between. Not gonna lie, though. I wish I had a pet. I never had a pet growing up. I had a couple of fishes, but they all died. (laughs) I feel like you don't get a fish expecting it to live a long and happy life. (laughs) Oh, 100% because I got it when I was what, what, in... I think it was junior high and I got I got six of them for I think uh-huh. it was like two dollars <laughs> and they all died because apparently the coral that I bought them in their fishbowl was poisonous to them and Good. of course me as a child did not realize that <laughs> that's awesome and then awesome. The la- and then the last remaining fish I actually went on a cruise when I was younger uh-huh. so my mom was home and uh-huh. she was supposed to take care of it. And she uh-huh. forgot. So when I came Good. up, the fish was dead. And that was <laughs> the last time I had a fish. That's awesome. That's terrible. Like, I feel bad. That's awful. But also, ha <laughs> Yeah. I, I think that's kind of a sign of, you know, maybe me not having a pet. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. At least for now. We'll see. <sighs> So, do you want to tell the people at home what book we're talking about this week? Okay, I'd gladly do so. So, we are talking about The Fault in Our Stars by John Green. Now, this was, to say the least, a very hyped up book. A hundred percent. And I think I can say that this was probably John Green's most popular and most um, lucrative book, I can safely say, because he made oh, a lot yeah. of money off this book. Oh yeah, and if you include all the money from the, you know, from the the movie too, he, yes, yeah, that movie was definitely interesting. I don't think I ever actually watched the movie. Really? Yeah, I don't know how I managed to avoid it. I can't see, so I can't remember whether I just never watched it or whether I have erased it from my memory because I was rereading the book because we were going to talk about it for the podcast, and I was like, wow. Like, I didn't remember how this plot went at all. (laughs) It was a surprise, to say the least. Yeah, I pretty much remember what happened. But Mm -hmm. obviously, I read this a couple years ago. So, you know, some details are a little fuzzy. But I did, Mm -hmm. however, watch the movie. Of course, I love Shailene Woodley. I feel Mm -hmm. like she portrayed Hazel Grace Lancaster really well. Of course, Augustus Water, Ansel Elgort, great. I forgot. I forgot yeah. that he was. Oh, oh. Also, we can also mention that they played brother and sister in the Divergent series. <laughs> well, you know, which made it more awkward. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the book, I think the book was very popular, and I think even the movie was popular. A lot of people went to see it because yeah. I'm I'm the kind of person that likes to read the book before I go and watch the movie. Yeah. I hate, I hate um people that go watch the movie and then read the book. Cause I'm like, I'd rather go in knowing what's going to happen and then see what differences there are. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Sometimes I like 
don't realize that a movie is based on a book until I'm, you know, at the end and they're like, this is based on a novel. And I'm like, oh, 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 oops. So, you know. Yeah, I've definitely come across <laughs> um, movies like that. And I'm just like, wow, how did I not know this? But I'm like, yeah. then I'm like, when I go out to see movies, I don't really look into that. The only time like where I'm really hyped up about a movie is mm-hmm. if either like I have to see it or it's based on a book that I really love. Right. So, there, there's a difference. I mean, obviously, in the last like year, most people have not gone to the movies. So, yeah, yeah, which is hard because I used to go to the movies a lot. Oh, me too. And actually, uh, my mom just signed up for like before the pandemic. Obviously, uh, signed up for like one of those movie club things because oh. we were going to the movies like monthly, so it made sense. And <laughs> and then 2020 happened. <laughs> So, you know. Oh, that's what she, she's just I had this. her money back. Yeah, I th- I think they just like let the tickets like accumulate. So she just she just has lots and lots of free tickets sitting around. Oh, but that's I don't perfect. Know. At least maybe when all the movie theaters open up back, you never have to pay for a movie. That would be nice. Yes, <laughs> that would would definitely be nice. I wish I had that because I used to spend lots of money on on movies. Me and, too. You know, but I do miss it, especially one thing I really do miss. Yeah. Is back when I was in college, mm-hmm. I would literally go, because I went to college in the city. So um, mm-hmm. I'm based in New York. So I used to go to Manhattan literally like every day for college. And there's just so many Barnes and Nobles in that area. Oh, I used Lord. to love to go to the Barnes and Noble and just like get a drink and then buy a book and then just sit in the cafe and just read. That was like my favorite oh. time. And since the pandemic hit, I haven't had the chance to do it. That sounds lovely. It's I am jealous. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And I, I really miss that aspect because like I just love solitary time for myself. I just love to like be in my zone. Mm-hmm. And like also when I was on the train and stuff, it was the perfect time for me to read. And I used Heck to yeah. read books all the time. Yeah. And you you think that being in, in in the quarantine would make you read more. Little do you know that's wrong. <laughs> because I have not read as much as I wanted to in the last year. And I am upset about it. Yeah. I I have made like a conscious effort to like actually start reading. Like I set an alarm and I read for 15 minutes before bed so I can be off my phone and just like in a book for 15 minutes. And it's kind of nice, but like I don't get a lot read. <laughs> but you know yeah definitely I understand how you feel I just need to be more you know more better I keep holding myself accountable yeah. and actually read that's the only problem it's just like yeah. you don't have motivation to do it yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because like uh, yeah because like honestly I didn't really start reading until I was about I say like 15 and I'm going to tell you guys a little secret, but when I was 15, the first book I decided to read on my own, like I had no class I had to do, no nothing, was the mm-hmm. Fifty Shades series. Oh my goodness. Oh I my know. Goodness. Okay. I know I was 15. Okay. I was, you know, I was kind of appropriate. <laughs> I was kind of, you know, innocent. I didn't really know much, but 
I will say it's entertaining. Is it a good piece of literature? No, of course not. People don't no. come and read those books because no. it's the best piece of of fiction they have ever read. Certainly not. That's not the reason. Most that's people- not how you get a bestseller, Jen. That's not how you get a bestseller by having. Oh, hundred percent. I know that. <laughs> it's kind of like a guilty pleasure if you think about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm okay with admitting it on here because I'm older now, so I feel like I have more <laughs> life. Maybe not as much life as you know everybody else in the world, but I feel like you know I'm more accomplished now. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. as much as I can be at the age I am, which I will not say. <laughs> yes, we don't need to reveal that. Yeah, just as you could, we could like leave it to the imagination. Okay. Yeah, I want. I, I wonder how old they would think we were. Kind of, kind of, kind of makes me wonder. S- send us your guesses. Go ahead, send them. Yeah, please. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's actually get into the book. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start by reading the uh, lovely author blurb in the back of the book. So pardon all my book sounds because I have a real book. (laughs) Okay. So John Green, if you somehow managed to not hear of him by now, John Green is an award-winning New York Times bestselling author whose many accolades include the Prince Medal, a Prince Honor, and the Edgar Award. He has twice been a finalist for the LA Times Book Prize. His other titles include Looking for Alaska, An Abundance of Catherines, Paper Towns, and Will Grayson, Will Grayson with David Leviathan. With his brother Hank, John is one half of the Vlog Brothers, one of the most popular online video projects in the world. And then it talks about his Twitter and his Tumblr and his website. John lives with his family in Indianapolis, Indiana. There you go. That's his little blurb. That was definitely great. Well read. Thank you. So where did you first hear about John Green? Was it from the book or did you like know him before then? I had heard about him throughout the years, but I never, like I said, I didn't start reading until I was about 15. Like, Mm -hmm. well, like really reading. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I read for school, but um, I heard about the book and Mm -hmm. I actually read it years after it had come out. And I think I had read it. I think I read it the year, the year after the movie came out, because I really wanted to see Mm -hmm. the movie. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to read the book. And at first, like when I was reading it, I was kind of getting a little annoyed because the one thing you should know about John Green is that he never lets his main characters stay together. Uh-uh. Not never, any not of his books. Huh? Yeah, and it it really used to like annoy <sighs> me when I was younger, but now being an adult and being older, I realize that a lot of YA and romance books always have happy ending for their main characters. So, right. and I feel like this is not very realistic in the real world. Yeah. So I think it's important to know that at least John Green and his books kind of depict that, you know, that sometimes happy endings don't always work out. So I, I think that's very important because obviously we all read these romance books and these YA books because, you know, it's kind of like an escape from your own world, at least for me, it is. It's like to kind yeah. of like go into your own world and just like see these different places and these different people. But I think it's very important that, you know, his his stands out because of that. Right. I agree. I don't know. Yeah. As, as the two main characters are very fond of saying in this book, the world is not a wish fulfilling machine. So. Definitely yeah. True. And it's true of the world and. Sometimes you need a little bit of, I guess, realism. 
But at the same time, like sometimes, you know, I just pick up a book. I pick up a book and I want a happy ending because my life doesn't have a lot of happy endings, especially with the past year, with you know years of just crap. And sometimes I just want a happy ending and not for the last five pages of the book to leave me in actual tears. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just me. <laughs> I mean, you picked up a John Green book. What did you expect? No. See, but that's the problem. I forgot how it ended. And even though, even though when we when we talked about like what book we were gonna do, you were like, "Yeah, I, I really, you know, every, he never lets his main characters stay together." And I was like, "Yeah," but then like, you know, Hazel has Hazel has cancer from like the beginning of the book. I'm like, "Okay, right, she dies, good, great." Except she doesn't. I don't know. It's just, I guess we can go spoilers, right? Yeah, we can talk about spoilers. Oh, oh yeah, but first, I'm just gonna put a spoiler disclaimer here. If you haven't read the book, I suggest you go read it. Before because we're gonna be talking about all spoilery things so okay let's get started it is not a spoiler that hazel grace has cancer because that is like page one so yeah it's like the the plot of the book is like hazel has cancer (laughs) but you know yeah definitely and do you agree with me on this that she's kind of pessimistic at the beginning yes uh yes i mean she is through the whole darn book Oh, I don't know. But I feel like when the more she, like, the more the book got and when she, you know, um, finally met Augustus, I feel like she kind of broke down that wall. But at the very beginning, she was very pessimistic. She was very, kind of, like, sour on life. She just didn't, you know, see a purpose in, like, living. Like, in the beginning, she talks about rereading the same book over and over again. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like people who have who love to read can understand this fascination of reading multiple books. I know my parents, for a hundred percent sure, do not understand why I can read a book more than once. Yeah. I think I think most of um, people who don't read don't understand. But I think that importance of like saying that in the book was showing that how she was kind of stuck in right. this like, mindset of you know just waiting for death. Yeah, she really was like, instead of it. And, you know, one of the first things that she and Augustus talk about is like, you know, what do, what do you do that isn't cancer? And she's like, I have no idea what to tell him because my whole life has become cancer. And I think that's like her first step in like stepping out of my life is my is my illness and my life is my diagnosis. And, you know, uh, you know, my I stopped living my life when I was pulled out of school, when I was, you know, started having to be on oxygen, you know, that's that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, I think you're right there. Like it's, you know, she, she's pessimistic and she's kind of stuck in her diagnosis and she's stuck thinking about what her parents' life will be like after she's gone and how sad they'll be to have lost a daughter and like that stuff. So, but yeah, I think you're, I think you're right that like as she and Augustus kind of grow together and like she breaks down those walls and she learns to like live beyond cancer and beyond how people will feel when she's gone. I don't know. No. Yeah. I I hundred percent agree with you on that. I think especially for Hazel, like she really worried about how her parents were going to be once, you know, she, was gone. I remember right. one part in the end of the book and her and her parents are having an argument and she recalls this memory of mm-hmm. um, when she was in the hospital and you know her, the doctors told 
her parents that the prognosis was not good. And she overheard her mother, I think, say that how she, you know, she wasn't ready for her to die. Mm -hmm. And that kind of stuck in her head. And she just never really, like, let it go. And then when this argument kind of blew up, she said that, you know, you guys have just been basically waiting for me to die because at some point you guys know that I will die. And then and then her parents were like, if you die. But then she's like, no, I will die. And I'll probably die before you. And I feel like that whole conversation really is kind of like sad for her and her parents because it kind of just shows how, you know, cancer in itself, it's such a devastating, you know, not only disease, but also diagnosis, especially for the people around you. Mm-hmm. And also just for, in this case, for her parents, it's like, you know, imagine watching your kid go through all this pain and all yeah. these procedures and then just not being able to tell your child then that, yes, you will live and yes, you will live past me. You know, it's yeah. definitely kind of like a hard topic to have. And her parents really kind of try to avoid having it because they know how Hazel feels and they know that, you know, she knows at one point she is going to die with this. Right. And they just feel like they don't want her to, you know, ever say it. So when in that moment she kind of said it, it kind of blew, like flew the floodgates open and they really, it kind of opened their eyes to exactly what their daughter was feeling in that moment. Right. Right. Yeah. I feel like, so like, you know, like the joke about like, you know, when you watch SpongeBob as a kid, you relate to SpongeBob. And then as when you watch it as an adult, you relate to Squidward. Yeah. Which is totally true. But like, I feel like when I was a teenager reading The Fault in Our Stars, I really kind of like, I I felt things because I was closer to Hazel's age and I was imagining, you know, what my parents would go through. But like, I'm of an age now and I know you're younger than me, but like I'm at an age now where like my friends are having kids and my friends are getting married and having kids. And so like, I'm almost like that I'm seeing it from like her parents' point of view instead of her point of view. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, like losing a child. First of all, losing a child is the probably the biggest grief that any human can go through. Um, just like biologically, because our, our bodies are like, you know, I, I, on some like very primitive level, like our, our whole goal is to like procreate and have children. So like having a child die is like the worst thing. Um, and I've known a lot of people who have gone through it, um, unfortunately. Um, but I feel like having that like external view almost. So instead of being, being sad because Hazel is, you know, loses someone she cares about. I was, I was sad. I, I was sad because of that, but I was sad because, you know, Augustus's parents lost someone. I was sad because, you know, the parents don't know what to do and they, and they feel useless and they feel sad and they can't do anything about it. And they, all they can do is just be sad about it. <laughs> you know, there's no comfort they can give because it's, it's an inevitability. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you on that, how, you know, a parent's loss of their child is definitely not something that, you know, is one of the things that I don't, I think anybody could really understand unless they've gone through it. Yeah. 
So I think definitely like being older now and reading it is definitely kind of sheds a different light on the book than rather when you were a kid or a teenager reading it. Because I feel like now as like an adult, you kind of not only you not only you're not only listening to her point of view, but also everyone else around her. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important because in in the book, like it's very centered in Hazel's perspective and you know what's going on around her. But I feel like, you know, especially like in watching the movie and stuff, you really get to see what's going on behind all of that. I think is very important, especially for a book that's so wildly popular. It's like you don't want a book just to be centered around the main character, but you want it to be able to branch out and see what's going on behind them and what's going on around them. I think it's very important because, you know, obviously a book about cancer is not going to be a easy book to read. No. And it's definitely not a book that people are going to pick up and be happy to read. I mean, obviously, you know, John Green, when he read, when he wrote the book that he was not thinking of that, he was thinking about telling an amazing story about, you know, these two people who have both been given a really bad, um, bad luck in life. And, this whole book is just about them trying to take back the control and not, you know, be defined by their disease and their cancer, but being defined about who they are in the world. I think a very important point in the book that I think Augustus makes is like right after he gets his diagnosis and, you know, he's told that he doesn't have much time to live. Mm-hmm. Is he tells Grace, um, I said Grace, he tells Hazel Grace that, basically he wants to leave a mark on his world on the world and yeah. i think that's very important because he said that from the very beginning of the book and yeah. it, when the book goes on and it gets close to the end he mentioned that he feels like he hasn't made an impact on the world and i think that very much speaks to this generation now it's like we're all so fast-paced in wanting to you know get through everything and get past it but nobody really takes the chance to, like really think about do you really want to leave this world without making a mark right and you know in the book he says like he feels like when he he knows he's not going to live for very much longer he says um i haven't made a mark i haven't done anything mark worthy i haven't you know done all the things i wanted to do and then of course when hazel has her big you know pre-funeral speech she talks about how you know he definitely made that big impact in her life that he wanted. And I feel like that's very important, especially toward the end. It's just that, you know, even though we all are so fast paced in life and want to make a big, you know, impact on the world, you just may never get that chance to. And really the most, the most impact you will make are the relationships you have, whether that's with your parents, your friends, your family, like every little decision you make in life makes an impact, regardless if you can notice it or not. Right. The small, the smallest thing makes a change. I think yeah. it's very important to note because you never know what somebody is going through. You, you, may, you may know that just by being nice to somebody one day, that stops them from doing something that, that they may regret. Right. So you never know your impact on not only yourself, but the people around you, the people that you may not even know, there's like a a bigger kind of 
idea, a bigger, you know, message about this. Yeah. And I, uh, something that you, you mentioned was that, you know, it, it helps to be able to have like the, the points of view of the other characters, because, it, you know, when you are in a first person narrative, especially first person close, which is what this is, it's, it can be tough. It can be really hard to make sure that you get pieces of the other characters' lives. And John Green does a very, very good job in this book of making sure that we get how much the story is affecting the other people, how much it's affecting all of the parents, how much it's affecting Peter Van, whatever his name is, <laughs> Van Hoosen. Um, I think. Uh, you know, the, the mean author man, how much it's affecting Isaac, how much it's affecting, you know, Augustus. And um, I think it's like, yeah, it, we kind of like, yeah, we, we're all kind of in like a fast paced, like, I need to, you know, I need to go t viral on TikTok. I need to, you know, go viral on Twitter. I need to be funny all the time. I need to be really, you know, on top of it. I need to get into a great college. I need to get a good job. You know, I need to make a bunch of money. And I think that reading a book like this one, where, um, where the characters will not have that chance, like even even if Hazel Grace stays on the Philaxophore, whatever it's called, stays on the meds for the rest of her life, it's not going to be a full life. She's not going to live long enough to go viral on TikTok. She's not going to live long enough. I mean, she could still go viral on TikTok, but you know, what I mean? you know, she's not going to, you know, work her way up a corporate ladder. Um, she, you know, can't walk up a flight of stairs without having to sit down at the top of them. And that's something that is, it, it just kind of makes you stop and consider what a privilege even being healthy is, you know, like <laughs> not even like, you know, living a life or, you know, being, you know, finding a relationship, whatever. No, no just not having a, 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 not even a terminal illness, just a, a chronic illness. Like I have a friend who has like a very a personality type, like she wants to do everything all the time, but she has a physical illness. That's like, if she does too much in a day, it takes her days to recover. And I didn't even think about like just doing the, Like I don't do the dishes because I don't want to do the dishes. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm too lazy to do the dishes yeah, and no, she I, doesn't, she doesn't do the dishes because if she does all of the dishes, then she will be out of commission for three days. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's books like these that kind of, it, you know, you can read a book about a superhero and it makes you feel good. And you can read a book about, um, you know, healthy people doing healthy things and it makes you feel good. You know, you you read Julie and Julia and you read about this story about, you know, a, a woman who is down on her luck and she just discovers cooking and it just makes you happy. Mm -hmm. And then there are books like these. <laughs> that take the soul. Uh, I was mostly okay until the, I'm telling you until the very end. And then I was in tears. <laughs> I was sobbing. Ah, what a mess. Yeah. I mean, that ending definitely was, very emotional I think for everybody that read the books mm. because it's basically basically kind of like a love letter 
that yeah. Augustus leaves right after he dies. Yeah. And, you know, he just like lets lets her know how amazing she is. And just, you know, how much how much of an impact her love for him made in his life, I think was very important. Mm. And I like I really want to touch base on this one important line that I, I remember from the book. And this is like right before uh, Augustus and like Hazel are together. So mm-hmm. I think you, if you can remember the scene from like the movie specifically, and it was also in the book, but basically, um, you know, Augustus is saying how he has very strong feelings for her and he wants to be with her. And of course, Hazel is kind of very, you know, obviously very taken aback by it not only and also just feels like this isn't the best idea and she, the the way she responds to this she says that she is a grenade yeah and will, will blow everything up in her wake and I think that specific line is very important because you know it kind of gives you a look into kind of her thinking and how she how she feels so responsible for the people around her that she feels like she can't get close to anybody because she doesn't want to cause chaos in, in their wake or in their life. Yeah. I think anybody who has had a terminal illness or is currently sick, you just don't want, you know, the people that love you to take care of you because you don't want to become a burden to them. Right. I think. And I think, I think that's a, a, the case with a lot of, not even just terminal illnesses, just all illnesses. Well, things like, you know, things like depression or anxiety or, or, you know, things like that. You don't, you don't want to be a burden on other humans. And yeah, I, I, since I just read this, um, cause she was looking at Augustus's former girlfriend's <laughs> like wall. Uh, John Green did a good job of making it kind of, uh, time agnostic by calling it like her wall page instead of calling it like Facebook or whatever. But um, you know, all the posts about all the people who cared about her and um, yeah, how she, she was like, I know that I am a tip- ticking time bomb and I am going to go off and I want to have as few casualties as possible, which is, it's devastating. It's devastating. Like, can you imagine having a friend who thought of themselves that way? Like, I, I pray, I pray that there are, I have no friends who are like that because, you know, I feel the same way that, you know, Augustus said he felt, you know, I, I, I don't care that you're going to blow up. It's okay for you to blow up on me because I will have been better for knowing you, you know? Yeah. I definitely agree with that, that, you know, the way he handles it is very, you know, telling of the kind of character he is. But definitely that line and that whole, you know, conversation is definitely very. It's very hard to hear one and two. It's just it's very sad to hear because yeah. like she just does not want to get close to anybody because she's just honestly. You think about it. She's still a child. She's still mm-hmm. a kid, and she's scared, and she doesn't want the people around her, especially her parents. To know she's scared. She wants to be strong for everybody. Right. Right. I don't know. Well, this is a depressing episode so far. (laughs) (laughs) 
I guess we kind of picked a rough book to start with, didn't we? <laughs> oh, 100%. But you know, I'm okay with it because yeah. as, long as, as long as we aren't ending this while crying, I'm fine with it. That's true. You know, and so far, so good. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the real question is, did this book, did The Fault in Our Stars live up to the hype? What do you yes. think? Oh, yeah. I definitely think it did. I think the way that it was written and the storyline and just everything about the way John Green wrote this book is definitely worth the hype only because I feel like it's very different from all the YA books that we all have read. It's definitely in its kind of own category. And I think because of that and because of the way it was written and the storyline and the ending, I think it definitely was worth the hype because of just just a message it brings. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that camp. And I think it was definitely worth the hype. And I want to point out, we'll probably um, bring it up in like the show notes or whatever, but there's uh John Green wrote this book after meeting a girl named Esther Earl. And, and actually I didn't answer this question back when we were talking about it, but like I watched John and Hank on vlog brothers before I knew that John was even a writer. And, um, yeah. So he met a girl named Esther Earl who had, I'm not sure if it was this cancer or if it was something very similar. Um, and they actually, her parents have um, a nonprofit, this star won't go out, uh, which is in her memory. So I think we should definitely link to their nonprofit. But yes, I think that this lived up to all of its hype and more. Um, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So I loved this book, but. It was written, he was like really pretentious through the whole thing, which I'm not sure if that was just the narrator or if that's just how he writes. I'm going to have to see, because we're going to do his other books, but, um, yeah, spoilers there, I guess. But I'm going to have to see if, if it's just that I didn't remember how he wrote or if it's something else. But I feel like this, it was just, uh, there were a lot of, you know, big words for the sake of big words, but. I, in general, I agree that this this lived up to its hype. It's a very good book. It was well-written. It did a good job with what it needed to do. Um, and it was really well-inspired, and I really liked it. Yeah, I definitely agree with your point, though, that there's a lot of use of very big words for no reason. I I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I feel like that's, that may just be his writing type because I have <laughs> I did read... Well, one of his recent ones that came out a couple of years ago, Turtles All the Way Down. And we will also be reviewing that book. But from what I can remember of that book is it had the same use of words, but it was definitely a different source. <laughs> I don't know if maybe just the way he writes or yeah. maybe that's just the way he wants the character to be portrayed. I don't know. You know, I've watched a lot of Vlogbrothers videos. I think it might just be the way his brain works. Oh, yes. I have to. Yeah. <laughs> in his Vlogbrothers videos, he talks a lot like this, too. <laughs> so, I like Hank a little bit better in that way. Hank's fun. Hank has a lot of fun TikToks. He's good. 
Yeah, Hank is funny. I will agree. Wait, have you read any of his books? Hank's? No. I, I have to. either. Oh, maybe that's another, maybe another we'll that author we have to do. <laughs> that, that gives us more ideas because we yes. definitely need lots of ideas because we want to keep this going. So we need to yes. have as many ideas as possible. We did talk about having some YouTuber books, which I we are well aware that they have come out of style yes. over the last, like, I'd say 10 years <laughs> because yep. that's what the hype was back yep. then. But um, oh, I gosh, think it would definitely be interesting to see, like, because I remember reading some, you know, some YouTuber books and then... And then you read like real like like YA and romance books, and you just you really see the difference. If yeah. I feel like that's like the most important thing is like even though a book can be overhyped, doesn't mean it's very well written. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an important distinction. Yes, I mean just really just look at Fifty Shades. <laughs> I can't argue with that. You know, or even like Twilight, or you know, I don't know. Well. I'll be honest. I never actually read the Twilight books. Don't come for me. That's okay. You read Fifty Shades. It's about the same. That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same, but I'll take that. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely interesting to like see like a. Have you you know what books I did read though was mm. uh, the Divergent series. Uh, that no, that is another series that really was interesting. I only read the first book, yeah, but I did watch like the the second movie and then the third movie, and then the fourth movie got pulled, and then this just never happened. The fourth movie never happened. No, it didn't that? because the oh third gosh. the third movie did so bad <laughs> that they pulled it, and they just ne- they just they just never went back to, to do uh, it. I just, I just, I don't, I lost track of it because I didn't really read the books and I didn't, I, I feel like I read at least the first book, mm-hmm. but I can't remember. I've read a lot of YA books. So oh, I yeah. have to. Wait, do you know who Nicola Yoon is? <sighs> that name does not sound familiar. No. Okay. Well, I love her books. I actually <laughs> um, went to BookCon a couple years ago and I got her to sign my books and I was such, I was so fangirling. I can even like input a picture of, of when I edit this, to, like show you what the picture of when I met her. Yeah. But it was so much fun. You could post it on our Instagram. Oh, perfect. I just might do that. Yeah. So it was definitely <laughs> cool, but I think, I think you should, we should definitely look at her books because her books are definitely YA material they're also very different because I've read two of her books and they're definitely very different from each other Mm. so and they're they're standalones also so perfect so we don't have a series I feel like if we if we do a series and we can cut this out of the podcast I don't know but like if we do a series we should maybe only read like the first one (laughs) And then, like, talk about how the hype held up for the rest of them, you know? I mean, yeah, I understand. I feel like I feel like we just we would need a lot of time, yeah, to read yeah. a series of books. And there's one series that I will never finish. After, I don't know if you heard of that, but you know, we'll 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 leave it out. We'll we'll just 
We don't need to talk about that. Mm, no. Oh, no, no. We don't need to talk about that because that book, whew, it definitely was interesting. And that's all I'm going to say on it. Okay, well, this is obviously our very first episode, so I, we apologize if there are any audio issues or if there are any weird pauses or, you know... Just- just roll with us, please. Yes, Give us another please. chance. Come back next week. <laughs> yes, because we will be back um, every Monday and we will be posting. So make sure to follow our socials to, to stay up to date of when we will post. Um, we yeah. have an Instagram account, but right now it has no post. Don't worry. I will fix that. And we have a Twitter <laughs> account, but it has no posts. But don't worry. I'll fix it. <laughs> We will fix all of it. Don't worry. <laughs> and like, just, and like, it's and all like, new. Yeah, like we said, it's very new for both of us. It's something that I, and I don't know if you have done it before, but I definitely have no. not done anything like this before. Nope. So it's definitely new to both of us. And, you know, it's going to take for some time for us to adjust. But, you know, I hope you guys come along on this ride with us and see how well we do hopefully you know we do pretty all right <laughs> i hope so cross yeah. my heart me but, too you know, you know we, we we never really know how these things work out but we'll we'll see hopefully hopefully it works out in our favor but you know yeah. you never really know yeah okay so jen tell tell the folks at home what we're gonna read next week what we're gonna review next week next week we are going to be reading another john green favorite Maybe not one of the most popular ones, but we were reading, um, paper. Were we doing Paper Towns or were we doing Looking for Alaska? I can't remember. It's either one of those. That's a good question. <laughs> we should probably give me a second. I will look that up because I don't remember, and I'm sorry. We might cut okay. this out. Do we need to cut this out? I don't think so, because people are forgetful, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I was right. It is Paper Towns, which will be coming out on April 30th. So look out for that. That is when we will, well, not, is it April 30th? No, no, wrong. Sorry. Retract that. It will not be April 30th. <laughs> I will. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I am sorry. Okay. I will completely edit, edit that out, but we um will be filming that next. So if uh, we should have our socials um up and running. So if you have any questions you want us to talk about, or any parts of the book of Paper Towns that you want us to address, then you can send us a DM on Instagram or on Twitter. You can... And you can email us at uh, at bookifypod at gmail.com. Yes, you can. And also, um, at our, well, you can also DM us on our personal Instagrams. We'll, they are linked in to the our Instagram podcast if you ever want to DM us personally. It is definitely going to be interesting to see how well this works and how well we juggle this, but we'll <laughs> see. So that, so that is going to be it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Even though this is kind of our first go of it, I'm glad you were Sorry. with us on the ride to figuring out how this will work. Hopefully <laughs> next time we will, be, we will be more, I don't know what word I would use, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out later on. We'll see. You know? <laughs> this is our first polished. Like we have a polished. 
I feel like we well we deserve a pass here, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um well thanks for listening and we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.